Blog Talk Radio. Yes, indeed, and we welcome you to Rescue Radio tonight. Um, Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, awesome opportunity to learn, to grow, to understand more and more about how much you love us and what you have for us, Lord God. And so tonight as we discuss food and how to be prepared, especially with winter coming, I pray, Father, that you would give us a super wisdom, eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart not to be overwhelmed, but to understand what your will is and your purposes. And we pray for divine protection, especially over our equipment, that you cause people to remember, to tune in, to ask questions, to call in, Father God. And we th- thank you for blessing our speaker, blessing all of us, as this is a wonderful, delightful opportunity. And we thank you for our guest tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And we have a wonderful guest tonight, honey. Well, yes, uh, Jerry here. Yeah, we do have a wonderful guest, someone who is a great friend. And, and an, expert. And, and an expert in many, many things. Yes, and tonight our special guest is Sarah. And Sarah, are you with us? Are you there? I'm here. You bet. Oh, Sarah, so thank you for, for joining us tonight. You know, we're uh, talking about getting ready and being prepared. And, and the, the kind of the blog that went out today or the, um, the little Facebook comments, are you ready? And um, there's so many things we have to always get ready for, but... I think winter is obviously one of those things, especially if you're living in Minnesota. And so are we ready for winter? So we thought we'd have Sarah on to talk to us about um, getting ready for winter. Now, Sarah, you tell us a little bit about why we would have asked you to help us with this. What's your background in in, uh, uh, getting ready for living in Minnesota in the wintertime? Well, it's actually kind of funny. I'm from Dallas, Texas. And 22 (laughs) years ago, we moved to Minnesota And when I was in Dallas, I was teaching classes in nutrition at Christ for the Nations. I Uh taught a class called Biblical Health and Nutrition. Well, I always wanted to be in a place where I could grow what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. I never figured it would be Minnesota. Guarantee that one. But anyway, we're here, and uh, we have uh, a little farm, and we're growing probably 90% of everything we eat. Uh, We do the vegetables, the fruits, the berries. We have sheep. We have chickens. And for me, it's a And lots of work, huh? (laughs) Oh, well, it's a ton of work. Yeah, but, you know, if you really enjoy what you're doing, it's not work. Mm -hmm. It it really isn't. It's uh, every day it's a new adventure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I could ask you a question, Sarah. Just a quick question, a curious thing. When you moved to Minnesota, did you move in the wintertime? No, ma'am. Okay, good. <laughs> because good. if that I was... had, I, I would have turned right around and gone right. <laughs> the first two winters we were here, I thought I was going to die. I'd oh, never no. heard of long johns, and uh-huh. but I have I have learned to dress for the winter, and I walk around back and forth between the house and the barn, and I feed the animals, and I do chores, but I use ski poles for balance. Oh wow! It's icy and snowy, but if I use That's a good ski idea. poles. 
Oh, it's it's really good because up until that time, I was looking up at the sky a couple of times a week, <laughs> and I had to learn how to. I still haven't really mastered driving on the bad weather, but I can at least walk around without uh-huh. falling, and that's a blessing. Scripture that he wants to share with us as we kind of open up this idea of gathering food, um, uh, saving money on food bills, storing food, stocking up food staples, etc. So, Jerry, what's the scripture that we're going to use for tonight? Well, this is kind of our text, I would say. Um, Proverbs chapter 6, verses uh, 6 through 11. Um, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. I'm reading from the King James Version. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat or her food in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. So, uh, are you... uh, well, can I talk about the. Uh, well, it sounds like if if I can interrupt a second, that you're busy working. You're not a sluggard. That's I think for you sure. just called me an ant. <laughs> you uh, well, you're a great friend. I don't think you're you're you're, you're an no, ant. ant. You're ant. an ant. Or busy as a bee or something. That's right. Like that. but, yeah, uh, right. So, well, right now it's it's huge. It's it's labor intensive, Jerry. In the spring when I'm planting things, we grow. Plants. We grow setups under grow light, and then we put up a little plastic greenhouse thing, and they mature there, and then they go to the main garden. But this lets us get a run on the season. Our growing season is so short up here that if we plant the setups, we can beat the bad bugs. We can beat the worms. Mm-hmm. We can beat a lot of it. And by doing it early on like that, instead of planting seed in the dirt, I plant plants in the dirt, and uh, we get a harvest a lot of times way early, and this mm-hmm. is good. We farm everything, we grow everything organically, so we don't spray no pesticides, herbicides, poison stuff goes on my food. So good by food. planting the plants early, yeah, it it really works for us. Well, let me ask you a question real quick. You know, you have a nice little, I've seen it, it's beautiful, actually, garden. It's all set up. It's very nice, big. But this last couple of years, you've been helping people who don't have much area, uh, patios, back decks, little backyards. And so tell us about what you guys have kind of come up with to help people as a solution to having a garden and yet not having a half an acre that you can work with. Okay, Um I do some speaking around different groups, and uh, I've been asked that question, you know, you've got room, Sarah, you can do this, but we live in a patio, or, we, or you know, we don't live in a patio. We live in a, an apartment or a condo. And I read this book, it's by Mel Bartholomew, and it's called Square Foot Gardening. So I bought the book, and he says that you can grow enough produce in a four-by-four four, uh garden box to feed one person per season, enough produce for one person per season. That's four by four. And so I read the book, and I didn't believe it. Mm -hmm. So the way I I got Bob, my husband, to build me a couple of those square foot gardens, and I tried it. 
And by rotating your plant, uh, it works. You can grow enough food in that size space for one person per season. I know that because I've done it. Wow. And, you know, I've done root crops. Um, I've do, you know, all the normal, uh-huh. the lettuce, the spinach, the tomatoes, the peppers, the cabbage, the broccoli. Uh-huh. All of the above does really, really well. And I have a daughter-in-law that teaches first grade, and she was so taken by the boxes, and she wanted to know how I did it. So I had her up here, showed her how we did it, and then she has she applied for a government grant, and they gave her a grant, and now their first graders are farming in the back in the part of the playground, putting in square foot boxes and growing vegetables. And wow. one thing about children, if they grow them, they'll eat them. Wow, you know, that's yeah, that's a big cool. Deal is they go from seed time to when they actually pick things. Well, and then kinda, I yeah. speak to I speak to senior groups, and a lot of people, when they get to be seniors, we won't discuss that age <laughs> thing, Jerry. We're not mentioning that tonight. No, not, anyway, not at all. Not at all. No, thank you. But they can't crawl around on the ground, you know, the bending and stooping yeah. and what is, is uh, it's hard. So I got Bob to build me a couple of the square foot boxes, and they're on pedestals. So oh. you could have, uh, you can sit, in, you could sit in a lawn chair, you could sit on the stool, you could be in a wheelchair and still manage one of these square foot boxes. We have a friend that's a paraplegic, and he is in a wheelchair. And he can come over, and he can, they've actually, they've done some of those in their yard because he can manage them. He can plant them. He can harvest them all the time while he's in a wheelchair. So your physical condition, your age, has nothing much to do with it. It's just if you want to do it, if it's important to you and your family, you'll spend the time and the effort learning how. Right. There, well, now you know everything. No, well, now I know everything. Yeah. Well, not quite. I, go I to, you're going to have to go to the website. I know everything, but I want to know more. Okay, there you go. But uh, so here, here's a question. Say someone is listening and they say, well, you know, why should we have a garden, uh, even a garden box, if they say if they have a just a, a, a patio or a small backyard and say it's a husband and wife, uh, they're working hard, um, they're you know, both employed, they're coming home at night, and they're used to, you know, we live in a microwave world. Why Why should they, if they're already so busy, why uh, yeah. Why should they have uh, like a garden? Why should or they get more busy? Why, why should they do this? What What would you say to number, someone who asks well, that question? It's, number one, it's you can control what you eat. You have something to say about what your food is treated with. Mm-hmm. Everything is sprayed these days. The pesticides, all this stuff is pure poison. And so if you have your own, you can control what goes onto it and what does not. It's a health thing for me. I got sick, mm-hmm. I don't know, 40 years ago, and I had to change my lifestyle in order to get well. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, besides the health thing, it's money. Have you looked and have you, do you pay attention yeah. to the prices of things at the grocery? That's we were, ridiculous. Yes, yes. Well, I think you're you're hitting on something right there. Let me give out the number for the call-ins and so that we can get some people going. Uh, if you want to talk to Sarah, have a question or a comment about gardens, food, storing food, we're just getting started here, but the number is 347-215-8051. 
347-215-8051. We invite you to give us a call. Now, Sarah, on to the, um, the saving money. Um, how about saving money by making your own, you know, I mean, we were, we were talking just recently about even making your own granola. I mean, this is kind of moving off gardens a little bit, but making our own from what we've grown, obviously you're going to save money. Uh, you're going to control the quality of the food. It, it enhances your health. And you obviously that, that uh, changing your lifestyle saved your life. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I had to learn to live differently. Well, you know, a lot. That is very, very, very simple. You you live differently, and life and death matters are uh, different. Right, and, and uh, when you get to that huh. point, then you get serious. I think about the changes. Otherwise, right. we just kind of put them off a little bit. But um, so I love you know, to work with young young mothers with small children. Uh, when I was teaching, I had a lot of young women that would come in, and they had a kid with attention disorder issues. They had a kid with allergies. They had behavior things. And a lot of times, if you can omit certain things, sugar, caffeine, dye, preservatives from the food, and yeah. you get into the more natural, un- unprocessed stuff, you eat, it's five, six weeks, you have a totally different child. I know my own sons, we used to have a lot of allergies. I was taking them to an allergist twice a week for allergy shots. And once we changed our lifestyle, we changed what was going in our bodies. Within six months, there were no allergies. Same wow. way with tooth decay. Um, we, don't, we, we used to support our dentist with, <laughs> you know, the, the cavity this and the gold inlay that. No more. I haven't had a cavity in I don't know how many years. I can't even count. And yeah. uh, it's uh, it's what you save. I mean, you know, you can spend a little bit more. If you don't want to grow it, go to an organic place and buy it. They say, oh, that's too expensive. Wrong. So is cancer. Cancer is expensive. Yeah. Uh, dental work is expensive. And yeah. so if you can prevent stuff by keeping your body healthy, uh, you save not only your how you feel, but a lot of money. I can I wrote this manual, study manual, a few years ago, Margie, and it's called 25 Ways to Eat Healthy and Save Money. And Ooh. Save Money. Wow, and can you tell usually, me some of them tips? Saving well, money? You can, Give me a couple of for, for instances. Okay, you can make your soups, you can make your stews, There's and then you freeze them. That's not hard. You can make salad dressing, granola. You can make your own mixes for stuff, uh, pancake mix and uh, biscuit mix. You can make your own lasagna. This sounds hard, but it isn't. It's really, really simple. And I put some simple ideas into that manual. Uh, I, if you can read, you can do anything. You can even Period. make you your can own. Read, can you even make your own pizza? Or do you have oh, to yeah. buy that we at do that Domino's? All the time. <laughs> no, no, no. No, you what do you, not. Okay, what do, no. what do you do? How do you how do you make a homemade pizza? Just give us a little how to. Okay, here. well you you start with a basic crust and Bob makes a really good bottom crust and then I grow a lot of tomatoes so I freeze a lot of tomato sauce. So we start mm-hmm. with our own homegrown tomato sauce. And we will add garlic and onion, uh, salt and pepper, um, oregano, basil into the sauce. We bubble up the sauce. Okay, now you have the crust. Now you put the sauce on that. 
and right now, actually, he made one a couple of days ago, and we had fresh tomatoes, we had green peppers, we had chopped garlic, chopped onions. Uh, the only thing he bought to put on that baby was, uh, he. we like mushrooms. So mm. he brought home some mushrooms, and we had mushrooms, and then he bought some fresh shredded cheese. Wow. I didn't do the cheese. But the, the yeah. whole thing, I mean, he made two great big cookie trays, you know, the flat cookie trays mm-hmm. of pizza, and probably the thing cost us maybe two, three dollars. Wow. I mean, that's, that's more than it, one meal. Every, all the, yeah, oh, yes, he's got them. We cut up part of them and they go in his lunchbox. Well, I he think that's. It. And, there's I think no people are scared. They're scared to try, though, aren't they? Sometimes, I mean, you know, they, they okay. I got to get out a bowl. I've got to, you know, put the flour in this bowl, and I've got to come up with some, you know, baking powder, or baking soda, or something, some salt, and put in something else. And people kind of, you know, they I don't even know if they do know how to read recipes anymore. For some people, but, um, you know, even if you bought a crust, can you buy organic crust and then slap stuff on it? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You bet. Well, I, I kind of do that. I, I do that sometimes, you know, I buy those really nice taco shells that are soft, and then I cut up the tomatoes, little cherry sure. tomatoes, and I throw the mushrooms on there, and then I, I do the, the herbs, the oregano, the basil, the whatever, the green chives, whatever you got. And you, first of all, I always rub my, my crust with olive oil, and that softens it up so it kind of everything begins. Or you can put pesto on there too and on the bottom, and then you begin to layer it, and you don't, and you, everything just, and then you get this lovely, soft mozzarella cheese and then sprinkle it and end up with a bit of Parmesan and, oh, put that in the oven and it's just lovely. That's good. Yeah, that yeah. Is, you, you know, once you start doing your own, you won't want to go out and eat the grease. Right, stuff. yeah. If you do yeah. go out, though, Margie, I, I used to tell my students, if you go out and eat pizza, take a napkin and blot it. That oh, sounds yeah. crazy, but if you, because well, yeah. the grease, you don't mm-hmm. need to eat it. So you go, you get your big greasy pizza. Okay, fine. You do that once in a while, it won't kill you. But then take a napkin and blot the top of it, and you'll take off all kinds of calories. This is a really good idea for people that are trying to lose weight. Besides keeping them healthier, they don't need that, the extra calories that the grease brings. So if they would blot their their pizza, they blot all that off of there, throw that away, and it doesn't affect how the thing tastes. Yeah, yeah. So what really what you're saying, Sarah, is that making these changes and adjustments, it's really not really any more work. It's just a matter of changing the thing, our thinking. And yep. uh, and uh, the benefits, once you get to see the benefits like you're talking about, it's just a wonderful, it's a wonderful change that can take place. And really, anybody can uh, can can do it if they have the... Well, a little bit of knowledge and a little yeah. bit of will to do it. So, and I think well, part of that we, too is. Go ahead, Sarah. Oh, I was going to say, we got when we started coming up here when we moved, and even before that, we would get phone calls, and so many people, you know, they would have questions. So, uh, my husband's a techie; he can do mm-hmm. anything, and so he built a website. It's called MilkandHoneyFarm.com. And so we have a garden page. We have a sheep and poultry page. Uh, we have a kitchen page, uh, a living and health page, all this kind of good stuff that basically it's how-to. Like we were talking a little bit ago about the square foot gardens. 
if you beam up on the garden page and then go to where it says square foot gardening, uh, it he made plans for the boxes he built, and all the dimensions and his materials are listed there. Um, also, I, another page is called off the garden thing is called save money on food, and that's got information about the manual. Uh, there's all kinds of really in the basement where I have my grow lights to start the setups. He built the lights. They're made out of shop lights that we get at a, you know at a hardware store or Menards, and we can start our setups early. So he put the plans for his grow lights on the website, just because people need to know how to do it and they don't want to do it quickly without taking a lot of time and money, but. It You know, it helps sometimes. I learned from an old man who was a farmer, and he knew all kinds of stuff. And if I can talk to somebody that's doing things, I learn. Yeah. You know, yeah. they save you a lot of time and money because then you're, you don't have to go through all the mistakes. Yeah, I'm looking at your website right now on my iPad, and I've got the Country Kitchen page up, and you're talking about the smell of baking bread and the jelly that's, you know, being um bubbling up in the can or I mean you make your own jams and jellies it sounds like and um, yes, your own bread mm, your bread and uh, so, I'm getting hungry so yeah it, this thing with you know <laughs> preserving storing food let's kind of talk about that for a minute the canning dry, dehydrating um, there's a lot of different ways freezing things um, a lot of people are just newbies at all of this and it's kind of overwhelming what are some simple okay, the ways easiest, yeah the easiest a good quality dehydrator uh-huh. Um, dehydrating is so easy. All you do is chop your food and put it on the tray and push a button. <laughs> there. Now it's dehydrated. And you've, <laughs> all you've done is remove the moisture. You uh-huh. haven't taken away any nutrients. The next best thing is to freeze stuff. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, I can a little bit, uh, but when you can, you can have it, you heat your, your product. And as you heat things, you're destroying some nutrients. Not all of them, but a lot of them. So I eat for health, and I want nutrient-dense food. So the best way for me is to dehydrate anything. You can dehydrate melon. You can dehydrate tomatoes, peppers, green beans, just anything. And then when you're ready to do it, to use it, all you do is reconstruct it by adding a liquid. Oh, really? And so like a lot of these, right? So you make a lot of soups, yeah. then I would imagine. I, you Absolutely, know, soups. I make a lot of curry. I make stew. I make all kinds of things with a mixture mm-hmm. of vegetables. And when you want vegetable soup, okay, you reach in and you get a a handful of dried cabbage, and here's dried broccoli, and here's dried carrots, and here's dried beans, and here's dried peppers and tomatoes, and you put it in a pot, and then you add water, and then you turn your stove on. This is not hard. <laughs> <laughs> and then I like I like well it's simple it really is simple and it's fun and I then I like to raise my own herbs so I'll add basil I'll add oregano marjoram thyme you know I'll add the herbs that make it good and then you can use less salt I do use some salt mm-hmm. sea salt but not as much as I would normally if I didn't use the herbs using the herbs cuts down your need for a lot of salt and stuff now let me ask and you about Go ahead. Yeah. No. What? I was going to just ask about, you mentioned about herbs. Now, that 
you know, some people have a bad connotation about herbs. They think that's some for some weird mystic up in a in a tower somewhere. Herbs. That's just really yeah. Well, then God was a something mystic weird because he wrote yeah. about okay. it in the Bible. Yeah, he did. Okay. Then he gave what? us herbs, uh-huh. and there are people that uh, twist things. The enemy likes to twist things, but I uh, you can use herbs to cook with that make delicious foods, and they also have health benefits. Right, medicinal qualities. Yeah, you know what God said yes. in the beginning, the very first commandment was, eat the herbs that I've given you, the green herbs and the and the fruit with the seed in it. And Absolutely. I really believe that the herbs were to maintain the body, the, to, to, uh, the nutrients and the, 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 mm-hmm. the functioning of the body and the frequencies and whatever we don't understand. But God just said to Adam, eat these things. And I know... Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of a lost art as well, not just for seasoning, I mean, but also for actually medicinal quality purposes, like right. what, you know the things that thyme and basil and what. Can you give? Can you talk a little bit more about those kinds of um, uh, as we what, get medici- ready for wi- medicinal, medicinal things? Or? Yeah, yeah. How that would work in terms of coughs, flus. I mean, you're not a doctor, you're not prescribing, but in the olden days, no, no, they no, used no, a lot no, of these no. things for their well, for remedies. Well, when we when we got the garden, I'll, I'll just tell you what I don't know, Margie. And okay. I'm learning on the medicinal herbs. I'm good on the culinary because I like to cook. But I am learning some things to do with some medicinal herbs. And years ago when we got our little place, I thought, okay, I'm going to plant herbs and eventually I'll get around to learning how to use them. Because uh-huh. I am really super busy. I mean, the schedule is busy. And so... I planted all this stuff. I've got maybe 20 different, 30 different kinds of herbs out there. And uh, recently I've had a garden tour. I had a lady that's very, very knowledgeable in this area. She's a teacher. She owns a shop, you know, the bit. And uh, she's not weird. No. You get a lot of weird stuff with this. But yeah, I would have that class. Weird. It's great. It's great. Yeah. And... Uh, so we walked around, and she identified herbs, and so now I am the medicinal herbs, and I am now in the process of learning to do, uh, to make herb tinctures, to make herb oils, and to, I like the some of the oil products, the essential oil products, but I, they are expensive. Yeah. And if I can grow a couple of plants and do it myself, well, I will do that. Yeah. Well, so yeah. I've, I've got a bunch of tinctures going and a bunch of herbal oils, and then mm-hmm. she made some um, some salve using beeswax as a base. And to me, this is fascinating. This is going to be my winter project. I am uh-huh. going now to this... learn how to do this stuff and actually do it, and then in my medicine chest, I'll get rid of some stuff and put mm-hmm. in... You know, and good we'll try stuff. it. My husband is thrilled. He said, oh, good, I get to be a guinea pig again. And, you know, yeah. with me, you stay healthy, you don't need it. But on the other hand, it's it's good to, pre- I would rather, yeah. it's better to pre- well, prevent disease than it is to treat it. Well, one of the things I was so happy to hear was a lot of these things are cheap, free weeds. They're weeds, herbs, yep. if you can identify them, weeds. And you, you throw them together Please. in this little simple recipe compound. It's just very simple. And, I mean, how you know, and they will, you know, in the olden days, that's what they used to basically for bee stings and for rashes and for, you know, pokes and cuts and bruises. And, and um, so I just think that, again, preparing for winter or preparing for the winter that might be coming upon us that might last longer than three or four months, 
people might need to know some of these kinds of things. So I'm excited for you to learn it, and hopefully you'll write another book on it or something. Uh, well, I'll thing. do something with it. Yeah. 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 What about the? Uh, what would be a good resource in your opinion, uh, Sarah, as far as the culinary herbs? Just learning, you know, what uh, which herbs are good for what, what nutritional value they or have, or what they spice up. Yeah. See, for the maybe the culinary uh, side and possibly the, the medicinal. Uh, medicinal side. Do you have any resources? Uh, probably, you could us to? I I have a whole bunch of books, but mm-hmm. probably the easiest thing for folks to do is to go up online yeah. and mm-hmm. type in what you're interested in and yeah. see what comes down. Well, uh, and you know, you know, a lot of those spices aren't they good lo- for medicine too? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I have I uh, have a friend that's from India, and I got interested in learning how to do some Indian cooking. And the spices that she uses, I looked them all up, and they have a medicinal effect on a lot of things. And mm-hmm. like, uh, oh, turmeric. They use a lot of turmeric. That's a prevention and a treatment for skin cancer. Wow. Okay. So you're using turmeric in some of the curries and, like, I like a little pinch of turmeric on scrambled eggs. And it's a prevention for some things. Like I said, I like to prevent things rather than treat them. It's much easier. And they taste great. They absolutely are wonderful. The cumin and the coriander, oh, my. I mean, there's just, there's just, it's endless. Uh, Probably the easiest thing for people to do is just do a little research. On online, and then there's all kinds of good books. Well, one of the things that talking about taste is a lot of people have eaten imitation flavors of this and that, and and packaged and and kind of you know their taste buds have been trained to kind of like the wrong things. Um, So, what would you suggest when people are are kind of transitioning back to the real deal, the real spices? uh, How would you suggest they get into that? Maybe one at a time, or uh, start out slow, or I take oh, three or four at a time. The ones you like, I I like the Italian ones. I like the ones we use on poultry, the sage mm-hmm. and the thyme. Uh, tell you what, Margie, I've got a page on herbs on my website. Oh, on the garden page, all you do okay. is type in the herb herb thing, and I've got photos of them on there, and then pretty much what I do with them. Well, I mean, you know, ba- oh. really parsley, basil. Oregano, uh, dill. You know, everybody likes dill pickles. I have people that say, I don't know, where am I going to get dill? Well, come over, I'll give you some. It grows like a weed. Um, but anyway, it's on the organic garden page, and on the right there, there's a little thing that says herbs. Oh, and, like, I've got some recipes on there. One is rosemary potatoes, where you mm-hmm. use fresh rosemary and garlic mm-hmm. and potatoes. and that's yummy, just mm-hmm. absolutely yummy. And then I, if you scroll on down, you'll see sage, you'll see basil, oregano, uh, marjoram, uh, pretty much what I use them for. Now, these are all culinary. And I don't write about something that I haven't done. I, uh-huh. I get annoyed with people knowing things but not doing things. So they sound knowledgeable, but to me, somebody's got to make it work. And then uh-huh. I I see on here, yeah, and you know, 
Yeah, you know, with the herbs, you can people can grow those in pots in their patios. I mean, or little planters. Oh, absolutely. A lot of these don't take huge amounts of space. Um, basil, for example, and and um, uh, chives, and uh, what's the one? Oregano. They're uh, they're not that hard mm-hmm. to to grow. Um, but I see here hollyhocks are a, an herb. Tell me about that. Yes, ma'am. I don't. Well, I have never heard pretty. of hollyhocks. I thought they're flowers. Well, they have beautiful flowers, and actually I planted a lot of them before I knew it was an herb, just because I liked the flowers. When I was a child, 100 years ago, <laughs> my grandmother mm-hmm. used to make me hollyhock dolls out of the flowers on the hollyhocks, and she would use a clothespin and then decorate it for a skirt with a hollyhock flower thing. Oh. And that was my toy. This was World War II time, and those were toys. In wow. uh, anyway, so I did. I planted a lot of hollyhocks. Kind of when I got this place, remembering my grandmother and what fun I had with that. And so then I found out at a later time that the root part of a hollyhock is a medicinal herb. So, so do you remember what it's used for as far as a medicine? Yeah, um, uh, I, I would be glad yeah. to touch that. I'm not going to touch that. Oh, okay, gotcha. But uh, you know. Um, well, you know, I think you can use sometimes sunflowers. You can eat some flowers, not necessarily sunflowers. Obviously, we eat sunflower seeds, but some flowers you can even eat. You know, like um, violets, I think, and wild tigerlilies. Violets I mean, eat and, as, and uh, nasturtiums and hibiscus you, flowers. It, it sounds crazy. I don't know on the hibiscus. I've never okay. done that, but I have done the nasturtiums. And I read this thing, and I thought, oh, that sounds wild. I'll fix Bob up a tray for those for dinner. <laughs> and what it said to do was take a cracker and spread it with cream cheese and yeah. then put a nasturtium blossom on top. And it's a kind of a peppery, spicy taste. So yeah. you have these real pretty. So I made him a plate of these, and he comes in the house, and I said, well, there's your snack before I get dinner. And I thought he was going to. <laughs> but they're good. They're really, really good. And well, you, quite spicy, yeah. and the the cream cheese kind of calms things down. Okay, so well, feeding your husband you flowers. Have to have, <laughs> <laughs> he's used to it by now. He but, is yeah, my he experimental is. station, so yeah, it's there high. You go. Wow, that's fun. Well, there's just tons of things on this herb page. I would really encourage people to go to Milk and Honey, and that's A-N-D, Milk and Honey Farm singular.com and see what you can find here. I mean, I think with herbs, I kind of got into that a little bit myself and I thought, oh, it's overwhelming. So just pick one or two or go to Sarah and buy a plant from her. She'll start it for you because sometimes it's, you know, hard to, um, you know, you know, know where to start. So, but anyway, that was my thought with herbs. Herbs are good. But, you know, again, going back to free food, I mean, really these days and in the days to come and, now, in the wintertime, of course, you can't gather all this free food. But if you dry it, uh, you have it. It can spice up your food. It can also prevent sicknesses during the winter. Like, I mean, I think some of these things are both food. Your food becomes your medicine. Um, so what what do you there's stock up? I mean, there. Is there really? Okay. Oh, I've got all kinds of, yeah, dried things. And then I just recently found a, just about every garden or every yard has lamb's quarters in them up here. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, I yeah. just found out that the seeds of the lamb's quarter, it's a wheat. And, yeah. you know, I, we cut them down. I wasn't doing anything with them, get, getting rid of them. And uh, I found out that the seed is a high, is a high uh, count on the seed. 
So my plan is to strip the seeds and add the seeds to pancakes. I'll add the seeds to the bread <laughs> when I bake. Are you going well, to warn Bob ahead of time? <laughs> they're no. full of protein, you said? I don't. Yeah, they're protein. So oh. all that did was to increase the nutrient density of the food I'm eating. So if you I mean, can't you can afford to buy steak, if you can't afford steak or peanut butter, you can strip the seeds <laughs> off your weeds <laughs> and throw it in your pancakes. And you'll have, oh, wow. Well, this is yeah. very cool. Well, it, it's it's interesting when uh, you know I attended the uh, the seminar uh, at at your place uh, recently, and you know, it, and I, the thought came to be, you know, it's a lot of people, you know, that are are uh, lawniacs in in the, in the suburbs and mm-hmm. the cities and so forth. They want to have that perfect, you know, Kentucky bluegrass and nothing else. Woe unto you if you have a dandelion oh, yeah. caught in your yard. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, I thought, you know, we, we live here in the country, and uh, there uh, we've got so many of these things. I said, you know, different, we have a total pharmacy. Weeds. We've got a pharmacy. <laughs> we've got a garden without having to plant a garden yeah. just by yep. learning the value of these things that a lot of yeah. people consider weeds and a nuisance, and they're some of the best things. And they're super hardy, too. And they're edible. Um, tell us about some of the edible weeds. There. I know you, you you work with real vegetables, real food, but weeds are real food. And, and uh, some of the edibles that, that are kind of, tell me, what are some of the edible weeds that you're going well, to try? Well, you can do the dandelions, the leaves. Uh, a lot of the weed things will taste like um, spinach or kale, uh-huh. big leafy jobs. And, mm-hmm. you know, you saute them a little bit in olive oil, add a little bit of chopped up garlic and some salt, and that's a good dish. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you just have to experiment. Uh, well, with this what? summer, this summer, my friend made us some nettle tea. You know those burning nettles yep. that you hate that you yep. try to avoid. I didn't realize that the minute you cut them, the the burning, the stinging, they can't sting you anymore. And then, um, if you get stung, I heard that if you squeeze the juice out of the stem onto the burn, it'll take the burn away. So it has its own antidote for the sting in the nettle. Yep. I wish I'd have known that earlier. But so she she put this stuff in a big pot of water, these leaves of weeds, and she threw a little mint in there as well, mint uh, plant, mm-hmm. and brewed up some tea for us, and it was delicious. Absolutely she wonderful. She made it really into ice. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I, it's a good, I've been told that if you add echinacea to that, the mm-hmm. echinacea root to the nettle and the peppermint, and make a tea that I have been told this is really good for a sore throat. Mm-hmm. Okay, that yeah, see, all those little old, old. that that's all these little old grandmas who know all this stuff and they, I know it. It's, 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 it's a lost uh, art. People aren't learning how to bake bread and and uh, you know eat nettles anymore. <laughs> but well, I don't know. If I'm, I don't know about gnawing on a raw nettle, maybe cooked or <laughs> you know making tea out of something that would. Anyway, no, we're not right. Yeah, one of one of the things that I planted. Um, when I got into this herb thing, I planted comfrey. And mm-hmm. I have just, oh, my goodness, it is invasive and it is spread all over the place. And we literally chop it up. We we mow it down and tow it and we can't get rid of it. Well, it's a, I found out from a veterinary friend years ago that it's a natural wormer. So I don't plow quite so much of it up anymore, but we feed it to our sheep as a wormer. Wow. Uh, 
this is a wonderful thing. That's one less thing I need the vet for and have to buy meds for is we just uh, we gather a bunch of the comfrey and throw it across the fence. The sheep eat it and are automatically wormed. So, well, and then I found out too about using the stem and mm-hmm. the the leaves. That's got another use for people. But it's it's really amazing all the resources that are there. We just have to figure yeah. it out or learn or talk to somebody that knows stuff. Yeah. Well, I think in recognizing the leaves of the the weeds and what weeds are good for what and kind of getting into that is kind of a, a new uh, kind of an interest for you. And I think it's also a, it's an important thing. Oh, because I, I'm going to take a camera around and follow somebody. I did that when she was here at my own place because I don't even remember half the stuff I planted, let alone uh-huh. where. And so when she was talking, she identified a lot of stuff for me, but... Um, the culinaries, I know where they are. I use them on a regular basis. But the other ones, I took photos with my little cell phone so to be able to identify the leaf. I don't want to make a mistake. I mean, yeah. you don't. You want to make sure, right. you really, if you're going to play with this, then find somebody that's knowledgeable or get some photos, get somebody mm-hmm. to teach you that knows something. Well, I think it's like everything. Just learn one thing at a time and kind of build on that. Don't try to over, you know, overdo it because then it gets to be overwhelming. But um, so herbs as food, spices, medicinal, culinary, those are, and you know, really seriously, people can grow herbs. And herbs, if you'd start eating herbs, I think people would, if they'd start eating, I think they'd feel better. I think they'd feel healthier um, and, and have their immune systems built up a little more. And, you know, like you said, uh, some things like going to the vet, buying vitamins, all that stuff, that gets kind of expensive. And if you just... It's very, you know, very expensive. Right. Yep. And these tinctures and these little salves and whatnot. Um, actually, she had made a salve. I think you know, it was it was St. John's wort with the bee, mm-hmm. bee wax in it. And I had a bug bite after that. And I just put it on there one time. And it was totally, totally fine. It was just mm-hmm. like, not yeah. even here. <laughs> That's very, very yeah. cool. Well, I want to just so. just re, uh, just uh, in kind of a repetition here about Genesis one twenty nine, and God said, "See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food." So God has built into the creation, so, yeah, really everything that we need if we will just. So it's learn it, it's rediscover it and yeah. and use it properly. It's very scriptural, Sarah, for you to put um, lamb's quarter seeds, weeds, er, into your pancakes. It's very scriptural. <laughs> my weeds and my bread. <laughs> and your bread, yes. Right. So, you know, and bread is yeah. a nice place to stuff a lot of stuff in, and I think you beef up the protein. You said you also put some other things there. What was it? Well, Sunflower I did. I've, I've been grinding. I've been grinding the wheat. For, you know, I've been doing bread forever. And I use olive oil and I use honey. I use all the natural stuff in the bread. And uh, it, it got real automatic. And then I thought, hmm, I wonder how I can increase the protein count. So instead of two pieces of bread, I could jam stuff into one, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I studied up a little bit on chia seed oh, and yeah. on hemp seed mm-hmm. and um, pumpkin seed. I like the flavor. So I started putting pumpkin seed and the tea and the hemp in my bread recipe. So what it's done is increased the nutrient denseness of my bread. 
Okay. So it's so you don't need much. the lunch meat now. You just need the bread because you already got the oh, protein. Oh, I don't do lunch <laughs> I know. meat. Thank you. Oh, no, why not? No, no, no. No, well, bad night. I know. I, bad, bad, bad. <laughs> I, you know. Another thing, too, yeah. as we live in a microwave world. age, Mike, it's microwave world. Yeah. Uh, what What can you tell us about microwaves? Do you have one? Uh, I'll tell you a story about that. I yeah. did a class for church, right? And mm-hmm. I said, I told them what I know about microwaves. In other words, I don't like them. I don't use them. No way. And I told them why. So guess what they gave me for Christmas? A microwave. Oh, oh no. I couldn't believe it. I could not <gasps> believe it. Here comes the microwave from this church. And we took it back. <laughs> And bought tires for my husband's truck, which was fucking <laughs> neat. And I don't think Good they use. ever forgave me for that one. But we needed to pack tires. So we should. anyway, no, the it's the you don't want to use a microwave. Get a if you if you have to be in a hurry, there are other ways of being in a hurry. Microwave is not a good idea. It destroys a lot of the nutrients in the food by the process of microwaving. And you yeah. don't want to, you're eating for, if you eat for health, okay, why are you eating? Well, I'm hungry. Yeah, right. You're eating to feed your body to stay healthy, hopefully, you know. Yeah. Uh, then you don't want to destroy the nutrients in the food that makes you healthy. Yeah. And the microwave does that, and you'll probably get phone calls on that one because nobody wants to hear it. Well, what's, And the what's other the... thing they don't they don't want to hear either is read your labels. Uh, oh, yeah. When you go shopping, all the box stuff and the canned stuff, learn basic rule. If you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. Because <laughs> Good idea. Because it is some form of, oh, basic. It's so easy. You don't have to understand. I had a pharmacist in one of my nutrition classes, and he said, Sarah, I'll tell you, I'll look up all that stuff in my books, and I'll tell you what it does. You would not believe the ingredients. I can't pronounce them. And so mm-hmm. I wasn't going to put that in my book. I don't teach on it. My basic rule, if I can't pronounce it, I don't eat it. Well, you so, know, a little thing I thought of, too, is like even if you have to do something like potato chips or something, there's there's the flavor Now, wait a minute. Why would no. you have to do potato chips? Because Go people don't know how to nice. make them like you do, Sarah. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't make potato chips. I make popcorn instead. I buy um, organic popcorn well, and I'm pop just... it with coconut oil and some little, few little herbs and powdered cheese. Ooh, mm. That's good. It is good. I know that. And but, you know, people who are in the grocery store who are going to pick up chips, I mean, they di- they're they just going to do this. But, okay, so pick up the box or the bag of chips that has the least ingredients in the back, not the ones that have, four, the, you know, three inches of, of words that tell you what the, what's in that nacho or whatever. Just if you've got uh-huh. potatoes and oil and salt, that's that's the ones you're going to do the best by. That's my little tip for the day. Yeah, oh, that, that's good. What, if you're uh, forced to buy potato chips. Yeah, if you're forced, right. Okay, yeah, if you're forced. <laughs> somebody's holding a gun to your head, get these potato chips or else. Yeah, um, right, right, uh, right. But but anyway, here, I just want to, I'll ask questions. Is there a, a good alternative, you know, what would you recommend as an alternative to a microwave other than the regular range? And then secondly, may say someone... Um, they're still dependent on the grocery store. What advice could you give 
to pe- for people that are still, you know, they don't have the garden, they don't have the herbs. Well, tell them uh, how how best to okay, shop at the grocery store. Yeah, you Two think about a picture a picture frame. Think about the frame, and only shop in the frame part, not the picture. Don't do the cross aisles, the frame stuff. When you go in most grocery stores, they're laid out. So if you go to your right, you're going to hit the produce. Buy the fresh stuff, the produce mm-hmm. first. Then you can buy dairy. Across the back is going to be the meat. And on the other side, it's going to be the deli and stuff. Stay on those things. Don't go on the cross aisles because on the cross aisles, you've got mostly processed stuff that you don't. And anything that you can buy fresh. If you want have to buy frozen stuff, read the label. Don't get it. Additives. Don't buy creamed creamed peas. Buy just plain peas. Okay. Mm-hmm. You don't need a lot of extra ingredients in it. But if you shop the periphery, then you got your basic fruits. You got your vegetables. You got your meats. Um, there's ways of in in uh, one of the book things I did. It's a tour of a grocery store. That one's called a Biblical Health and Nutrition Study Manual. There's a tour of a grocery store that explains how to shop that frame. Mm-hmm. And when I did my classes, I would take students with notebooks and we would walk through the grocery stores, and I'd show them, you know, okay, this is reading label, but let's shop. Let's look at the fruit. Okay, you buy stuff in season. It's number one, it's cheaper and it's nutrient dense. If you buy things that are out of season, the nutrients have been depleted over time. Um, you don't want to buy the stuff that's waxed, the apples, the peppers, the cucumbers that are waxed. You don't mm-hmm. need to be eating waxed. And the way you find out is run your fingernails across it. If your fingernails come up with wax, don't eat it. And, you know, they'll look at you a little crazy, but, you know, I'm not going to pay money to eat wax. I won't do it. (laughs) And then have you ever gone to a grocery and come home with some plums that were beautiful or peaches that looked just great, and you get home and they taste like cardboard? Mm -hmm. Okay. If you smell your produce, smell your fruit, if it smells like what it's supposed to be, it'll be ripe and ready. Now you can tell if you've got a ripe cantaloupe or a ripe melon by smelling it. Mm-hmm. And if it smells like a cantaloupe, it'll taste like a cantaloupe. Mm-hmm. If, you know, That's your good. plums and peaches, if they don't smell like what they're supposed to, they're not ripe and they're going to taste blah when you get home and you've wasted your money. Yeah. There. Yeah, yeah. and would you suggest, um, <laughs> I, going back to the microwave, those little convection ovens maybe or something yes, that's like that? Or... A convection oven is a wonderful thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a slow cooker. People also need to do stir fry. They need to do steaming their vegetables. Oh, yeah. You don't want to you want to cook things, but you don't want to kill them. The yeah. convection ovens make wonderful baked goods. Uh, they make wonderful roasts. We do a lot of roasting. Uh, I bake my bread. You know, uh, you can yeah. put chicken in the convection oven. It's wonderful. I love those, and they're they're reasonably cheap. You can get one and stick it on a counter and plug it in, and you're good to go. Now, I, I, can I say one more thing? We're not, it's kind of switching the subject, but back to your website for a second. You have a, a spot on there, I think, where there's things that you can buy, not that we're trying to sell anything, but just e- equipment 
um, like, you know, for your bread making and whatnot. But the the one thing I want to really bring to people's attention is your um, the Berkey water filter. A lot of people spend a lot of money in the store buying bottled water. And I have heard, and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, but that that kind of water, if it sits, that those plastic bottles in your car gets in the sun, gets heated up, that that creates uh, xenoestrogens in the water, which is creating a lot of bad effects in people's physical bodies. Mm-hmm. So if people could find containers that are not plastic or the right kind of plastic. But what is a what is a Berkey water filter? Can you tell us what that is? Because that's on your website, I believe. And, um, yeah, how it's, does that make... the, it's, on the, it's on, number one, we did a country store, and the only things I have listed on there are those things that I've used here uh-huh. uh, and that work for me. I don't uh-huh. talk about products. <laughs> it, no. Uh, this stuff that works, and I got my own Berkey for my own use about five years ago. Now, we have deep water wells here, but mm-hmm. and I've had the water tested. It's good water, but it's a little high in nitrates to suit me. So mm-hmm. I got the Berkey. It has no uh, moving parts. I am not dependent upon electricity to keep it going. For years, I rented a reverse osmosis purifier from uh, Culligan. I think it was $19 a month. But the deal is when the electricity went off, I didn't have water. And it oh. took so long. Yeah. So anyway, the Berkey, it, its filtering system is so good. You, I can get, let's see, let me get it right. I can get four gallons of water through that in an hour. It works on a gravity feed. And they have all different sizes. They have one for campers. They have one that looks like a water bottle. I have something called that I use. It's called the Big Berkey. That's a good family size ones, and then they have even bigger. Uh-huh. And when we travel, we have a camping one that we take. I don't like to uh, drink water in a motel. Mm-hmm. That's terrible mm-hmm. stuff. And oh, so yeah. we take that dude and just you can put that water through the Berkey, and all of a sudden you've got pure water. It'll also take out lead and arsenic with a mm-hmm. special filter thing. Anyway, all that information is on the country store page. And yeah. I think I used to say that the Bosch mixer was the most important thing to have in your kitchen toolbox. Mm-hmm. I don't think so anymore. I think the most important thing is to have a Berkey. People mm-hmm. can do without food for a long time. You can only do without water about three days. And you have a big storm, you have one of these, you know, during Katrina, uh, one of the big things was getting water to people. Well, if you have a filter, I've sent the Berkeys to my kids for presents because I have one son that lives in Hawaii where they're always having earthquakes. And they have an evacuation pack where they go out of their house. They've got this water filter in that pack so they can eat put gutter water in that mm. thing and they're going to be fine. I have yeah. other friends that have gone to India and to Africa and they've been on the trips and uh, everybody in their troop and they, in, in their group is sick and they're not because they're filtering all their water through a Berkey. So I great. think those, that's the one most important kitchen item to have. Whether well, it's natural disaster... Present. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, well, the one they sing about, so, like you said, no electricity, and it's got the filters that work for almost well, what six six thousand gallons of water. It says here. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're charcoal and then filters. You can, yep, you can clean them um, with a little scrubber do thing. Bob cleans them about every six months, and you take them out and you you scrub them in a mick. And the filters last a, a long time. We have we usually get a couple of years off our filters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then I, I always see keep an extra set. Yeah, I always keep an extra backup set on filters too. You and, and I see also you have a dehydrator um, that you love that you um, yes uh, advertise on here, and that goes back to drying a lot of food and. You know, once you dry your food, you can put it in glass jars. You don't have to buy those spices and herbs anymore. You've got the good, clean, organic ones. You know where they came from. They're not sprayed, and that's just fun, fun. Um, we're Oh, my goodness. We'll, we'll have to go over a little bit here because we aren't finished yet, Sarah. I've got one more question for you, and then um, what about stocking up for a rainy day, uh, you know, with, you know, all these threats of, you know, whatever might be coming down the pike. We're not going to go into that much, but... What would you suggest for people to buy in bulk if they wanted to have food that, you know, would last or be, you know, able to be fixed? And it's, you know, what if there's no food on the grocery store shelf? I mean, you know, they say that grocery stores have enough food for about three days, but I tell you, if there's a run on the grocery store, you may not get anything. So what would you suggest people stock up on besides toilet paper? And by the way, do you have a recipe for making toilet paper? <laughs> Just no. kidding. You don't. You don't no, make no, your no, own no. toilet paper. What? No, I don't. Think no, okay. no, not even. All right, we were just uh, kidding on that all one. All right, all right. Go back to this. Okay, I think I think everybody ought to have a pantry. Uh, it's got in particular. Now, when I lived in Dallas, and the weather wasn't terrible, that was not that big a deal. Uh, but when we moved to Minnesota and we have winter. Winter, mm-hmm. you understand winter yes, and the culture shock that I went through. I wasn't going to run out of anything because uh-huh. I didn't want to go out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just just so you know, I developed kind of a basic uh, pantry plan where I always have something, always. And you know, a freezer is always a good idea. You can stock a freezer with stuff you've made, or you can buy stuff on sale. I mean, you can buy frozen pizzas and stock your freezer. It's yeah. always a good idea to have uh, basic stuff would be rice, uh, mm-hmm. beans. I mean, how mm-hmm. hard is it to boil beans and have bean soup with a little seasoning? This, this is a good thing. Um, you just need some basic powdered milk would be good if you have yeah. uh, a baby. It's a good idea to stock diapers. Uh, yeah. I have a basic first aid kit. I mean, just common sense things. It's, yeah, it's like your basic Mm-hmm. Yeah, Salt, we have sugar. cans of uh, like uh, tuna tuna fish is a good mm-hmm. one. You can mm-hmm. do that. You can do peanut butter. This is yeah. not hard. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Oil. I I would go. I know that one of the big churches in uh, Texas and San Antonio, um, John Hagee is the pastor, and he's telling everybody in his church a minimum of six weeks. Mm, of food on hand to, to be able to cover. Yeah, he's saying six weeks, and I think that's real conservative. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you if you drink coffee, uh, mm-hmm. get yourself a couple of. T- By the way, coffee prices are going way way off the wall. So if you drink coffee, stock up a little bit, or 
beautiful kinds of herbal teas are good. Oh, my, yes. I mean, this is not hard, you know. We'll pick some weeds and make some tea. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. Add some honey, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, you just have to kind of think about your own needs and your family needs, and it won't be forever. But if it's a big storm, we have tornadoes in Mm -hmm. Minnesota and things shut down, uh, the weather Mm -hmm. patterns, and they had what? They had fires in California. They had all yeah. the hurricane stuff down. You know, stuff is changing. Well, uh, yeah, you know, last, last summer, was it the we, we, summer before last, we had that big uh, electrical storm where we were out of power for like 23 hours, which is nothing compared to uh-huh. what some people were. But I was, you know, that just forced me to say, well, I don't, where are my kerosene lamps? Where are my matches? Um, I can't cook. Uh-huh. I have an electric stove. How am I going to feed make make food? I mean, it was just frustrating because, I was not at all ready, and I waited till almost dark to go find the candles, which was dumb of me too. But um, I just was thinking the electricity's going to be on any minute. But if you Margie, if you walk through your house and you put candles, or an oil lamp, or mm-hmm. a flashlight in every room, yeah, good idea. Mm-hmm. And and real no, matches, no brainer. Yeah, yeah, real matches. The the old time, you know, those are hard to come by. The there are a lot of places that don't even have them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wooden, I think everybody should have a ke- yeah wooden matches, matches and a kerosene lamp uh, with some oil yeah. in it. You know, mm-hmm. um, oh, absolutely. It's kind of, and we, you know, it'd be it'd be see, kind I of like fun. Them. To, I like the oil lamps. I think they're it's pretty. A, it's a sweet ambiance. I think if people would just practice with their family, like say a day. So today we're going to have survival day, and we're going to just do basic basics, and we're going to just the whole family. We're going to pretend like we can't use. The things we're just taking for granted all the time, like water out of the shower, the the faucet, uh, electricity. We're going to just see if we can survive a whole day in our house or without all of the electricity and the comforts. And just kind of like they do fire drills, you know, okay, this is how we do this. This is where we're going to, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it would be wise. But anyway, listen, Sarah. Kids have a lot of good ideas. They can get into it. It's not a fear thing. It's it's not a have to. It's a get to. Yeah. Well, going back to kids for a second. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, going back to one of your first statements about kids, when they get to plant their own vegetables and they see where they actually come from and they get to grow them, they get to grow their own little bean plant or their own little, you know, and pick them. I mean, our grandkids love it. They are just, they're eager to learn. It's not like they're opposed to it. It's just like we think they're opposed to it. And we think they're not going to like the taste, but if they start to grow it, then they're going to be curious about what it tastes Uh like too. So, Uh but, um, well, I don't know if we had any callers tonight. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, another thing you could store in your pantry thing are like raisins or oh, dates. Yeah. The dried mm. fruits are really good. Uh, if you have a dehydrator, you can dehydrate your own plums. You can dehydrate your own apples. Uh-huh. You know, apples. and storing mm-hmm. up dried fruit, uh, storing up nuts. Nuts you know, are good. The, so dried fruit and nuts are a really good snack. And or even they, buy them ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely buy them. You don't have to do it. It's just I learned to do a whole lot of things. One, it was a health thing, and two, it was economics. Mm -hmm. If I couldn't afford it, I learned to do it. There you go. There. uh, You know, a lot of people, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, cold cereal, breakfast cereal in the morning, and, and we know some of the cereals, especially the very sugary types, are that are put down at kid level in the grocery stores. Uh, what you've come up with a quite an alternative 
to these uh, cold cereals, and that's uh, making your own uh, granola, your own cereal. Can yeah, you, can you give us that can recipe you tell quick? Us a, tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, I don't really have a set recipe. I buy oatmeal. I buy the old-fashioned organic oats in a 50-pound sack, mm. and that lives in my freezer, mm. okay, because it'll keep. But I use oatmeal in pancakes. I make granola. I use it in cookies. We use hot oatmeal. But I got the idea about making the own granola because we bought some at one of the health food stores, and I was like, what, eight ninety five a pound? It was ridiculous. <laughs> so I came home and, and got the oatmeal out, and I had almonds. And, uh, well, first of all, I put the oatmeal down in the cookie sheet. No, I greased the bottom of a cookie sheet with coconut oil. Then I put down oatmeal. Okay, and then I like I cook a lot with um, coconut powder, so mm-hmm. I put a bunch of coconut powder over that, and I like cinnamon, so I put cinnamon over that, and then you need something to oh, and then I have uh, almonds and mm-hmm. dried apples and raisins. You can use prunes, you can use dried apricots, any kind of dried food over that. Okay. If you have seeds, uh, sunflowers are really good, sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds, you can put Uh those on there. And then I was using honey as a sweetener, and then I switched to uh, maple syrup, and I like the flavor. So I mixed up some maple syrup with a little vanilla and pour it all over the dry mixture, mix it all up, and then I'll toast it, roast it in the oven at 300 325 for 20, 25 minutes. And then I stir it up, cool it down, and put it in a jar. Mm-hmm. Really good breakfast. And then a mm-hmm. quick snack uh, with a handful of that. You can go for a while. And then I like it with you on your, in yogurt. Oh, it's, yummy. It's really, oh, yeah. really good. And then Bob made Sundays the other night, and he brought in a Sunday, and he had just all he had was... Um, Vanilla ice cream with the granola over it, and it was good. I mean, it was it was really good. It was a really nice little dessert. You're making me so. hungry. You mean you can eat healthy and eat, <laughs> and it can still taste really good? <laughs> That's oh kind of, well, yeah. Yeah. If it doesn't well, taste good, you don't do it. Bob doesn't like green beans. I don't oh. plant green beans, and I don't force him to. You know, there's enough. But he likes that nasturtiums. He likes, he likes nasturtiums. Oh though, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, well, he can't like ever. He, when he was a kid, he had to hoe his grandpa's beans, and I think, oh. and then his grandma—that's all she fed him, I guess, for a while. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. It's a post-traumatic. Post-traumatic. Yeah, yeah. It's a post-traumatic yeah. bean disorder. <laughs> bean, bean yes, disorder. that's exactly right. You ask him about that, and he'll go pale. He does not like green beans. Well, but, least, you, you know, know if, if your husband okay. or your kids don't like stuff, don't don't force it. There's too yeah. many other good things. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, Sarah, things. I can't think of anything I can't think of anything better than to have you on as a guest. It's just been so delightful and thank you so much oh, for your time. I know, I know, and I'm sure now listen, why don't you tell us a little bit more again about your website, what people can find there? And um, that you can kind of be a go-to girl on some of these things for them. I'm sure that they didn't take notes tonight on everything they wanted, but give us some more of your yeah, information a, again. The the website is milkandhoneyfarm.com. 
and there's a contact us place on it. So if anybody has a question, I get around to them when I've got time. It's fun for me to have question and answer, and I learn from people. People will make suggestions. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. And so for me, it's an information source, and I learn stuff, and I also can give out some stuff that I know. Uh, bottom line is I am a city girl from suburbia, and I wanted to learn to do things, and I did. Uh, you moved to the country, yeah. I moved to the country, and when I was a kid, I used to watch. My sons were raised on watching the Waltons on Little House on the Prairie, and I thought, boy, someday I'm going to do that. Well, it's someday, and I am doing that. Now my kids are grown, and I have grandchildren, and soon to be a great-grandma, okay? Mm. But I am doing it. And so it's yeah. it's a fun thing for me. I'm always grateful for the opportunity to grow my things, and I give the praise and the glory, Margie, to the Lord of the Harvest. Mm-hmm. And the Lord of the Harvest is Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. We so there are all kinds. Good there's a food. harvest of souls, and there's a harvest of food. But bottom line, He is the Lord of the harvest. Of both. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Good way to end it, my dear. We can't say any more that He is the Lord of the harvest, and I think it pleases Him when we eat the way He created us to eat. That's also part. Of, that's also an act of obedience, and it's a very spiritual thing. One more thing, people don't think eating is a very spiritual act. However, I think it is an act of obedience, um, as you have so well put it. Yeah. So, Well, Sarah, let's, uh, could we just, uh, we're going to close in prayer tonight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, sure. Lord, I, I just thank you so much for Sarah and her time with us tonight as our wonderful guest. Thank you, Lord, that you have uh, given her wisdom and uh, um, through the years, Lord, to, and uh, that she is committed to you and to educating people, helping people, that uh, she so freely shares what she has learned and what she's learning. And we pray that uh, you will bless her and Bob in their, in their farm, in their ministry, in their teaching. And we thank you so much for this time tonight, Lord. We thank you for... Everyone that has uh, listened uh, live tonight, everyone that's listening on the archive, uh, also that um, that you would help uh, each one that's been that will hear this uh, broadcast to make those changes uh, that need to be made. Uh, change can be hard sometimes, but we know, Lord God, that you uh, know how to make those transitions work well, and um, just uh, guide and encourage people to live in this way that uh, uh, will please you, glorify you, and give them greater health and strength to serve you in these days. Thank you for this time tonight, Lord. We love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And one more thing I'd like to say to add to that prayer, Sarah, Jerry, is pick one thing. Start with one thing, guys. Just don't overwhelm yourself. Just pick one thing you want to do. Check out the Berkey. Go to the website or throw away your microwave or grow a basil plant or something. And with that, we're going to end up with a commercial here and say goodnight. And Sarah, God bless you. Thank you. This is fun. Thank you, dear. Thank you again so much, Sarah. Good night. we got to eat to live, but some of us live to eat. 
Fast foods, comfort foods, nuke foods, sweet foods are often used to help us conveniently cope with the pressures and hurts and frustrations of our lives. Because food is so basic to survival, it has become one of the enemy's most targeted areas in our spiritual life as well as our physical life. In reality, our diets are doing us in with physical diseases, obesity, various addictions and food allergies. Guilt, fear, and fad diets have us in a nutritional tailspin. In her CD, Eating to Live or Living to Eat, Marjorie Cole introduces you to God's diet plan and helps us learn to eat our food without guilt and as worship to God. To order your copy, simply go to www.liferecovery.com. Again, the CD is Eating to Live or Living to Eat. Order it today at www.liferecovery.com. for your soul.